Amen, and good morning. It's good to see everyone, and if you're a little cool this morning, it's just a good um, time for you to sit closer to the ones you love. Um, it's a, it was, I think, around 50 degrees this morning, and it's a little warmer in here in the sanctuary, um, but um, it's kind of that in-between season where it's, you don't really need the air conditioner, but it's too early to turn on the heat, and um, if we had turned on the heat, we'd all be smelling that wonderful burning dust smell <laughs> that you'll have to get adjusted to um, sooner or, or later. But we welcome you. Thank you for, for being here this morning, whether you're in person, whether you visited for the first time, or you're here for the more than you can count time, or you're joining us online. It is good to see you, and we are glad to be in the house of the Lord and celebrate the fact that in all of the ways and everything that God does, He Absolutely, completely, every time can do nothing but good. And so no matter what your circumstance, your situation this morning, even though you don't feel it, even though it feels like everything may be crashing around you, just remember this, that what God is working in you is good because He is good. And He is for us and He is not against us. If you are visiting this morning, we would love to have... To, to hear from you, there is a little card called a Connect card that we put in our, our bulletin. It looks just like this. It's a great way to share information with us or receive information from us. So if you would like to fill that out, just put your name and how you'd like to best be contacted. If you have questions, you can list those on the back. If you'd like more information about the church, we'd be glad to do that. And then also on the back side, there is an opportunity for you to share prayer requests. If there's something we can join you and pray for, um, as a church, we would love to do that. You can just list that on the back of this card and then put it in the offering plate when we pass it in a few few moments. We'll be reading from Psalm 119 in a, in a few moments, but before I'm hand, let me just um, remind you of a few things that you, um, you may have noticed in the bulletin, but let's highlight and celebrate together. The first thing is that we have, um, as of last week, exceeded our $2,000 goal for the Mary Hill Davis offering for state missions. $2,189. Our goal was $2,000. And if you still have not had an opportunity to give, it's still not too late. And just remember, all of that money goes for work right here in the state of Texas. And so that is definitely something to celebrate. Another thing to celebrate, our, our students had a garage sale yesterday. And you may have been able to come up here and you may have unloaded some items that somebody else needed or you may have taken something home that you needed that someone else had, but they were able to um, to raise in just a short time um, around $1,400. And, um, and then I've also heard that there was a, a generous matching gift from, from someone that would take their, their total up to about $2,400, which would help them um, cover the cost of their summer retreat and Maybe even have a little left over. So we're we're thankful for those that donated, for the students, for the adults that, that helped, and for those folks that came out and um, and took home something that I'm sure that they they needed or could use. Let me just remind you of two other things before we read the other. First, October 31st um, is not only Halloween; it is our quarterly business meeting. It's the last Sunday of October. Um, we need to to take time to. To review um, things in the last three months, and hopefully we can do that in a timely manner. And since we're just coming off the great celebration of our 25th 
anniversary here um, at Cross Timber. We will not be having a meal. We'll just have a, a time of business. So if you um, if you need to bring a snack or something along, um, please do so, and we'll try to make the best use of our time. And then the other, um, it's hard to believe we're almost through. Um, we're through the middle of October, and November will be here the first. And one of the things we've been able to help with in years past is the old-time Christmas at Sunset Hill Tree Farm. Um, Dwayne and, and Donna Patrick um, put on a, a really fun event that happens um, on November the 27th. And they have a hayride that presents the story of, of the gospel. And they donate, donate proceeds to, to missions. And they are in need of helpers, actors, musicians. So if you fill any of those categories, um, I think musicians is the only one you actually have to be able to play an instrument. Um, you can pretend to be an actor and you can always be a helper. And they can use you. So if you, um, there, I don't see them here this morning, but if you are interested, um, you can let them know and their contact information is there. It was a, it's a fun event and it's a great way to, to be in the community and also help out with missions as well. And then just a reminder, our Wednesday activities here at the church, 11 o'clock, we have the adult Bible study, um, followed by lunch. Wednesday evenings, um, we have prayer meeting starts at 6.30, and our students, um, our youth meet here, will meet here at the church starting at 6, 6 to 6.30 is kind of the hangout time, and beginning at 6.30 to 7.30 will be the Bible study time. So if that um, fits your schedule, we'd love for you to take part in that as well. Our scripture reading this morning is from Psalm 119, beginning in verse 9 and reading through verse 16. If you've never taken the time to read Psalm 119, I encourage you to do so. It's a continual anthem of praise to the goodness of God's word and the usefulness that it has for all of our lives. But in verse 9, the songwriter says this, How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. Of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight as much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts. And fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Will you join me as we pray this morning? Lord Jesus, we are grateful for the privilege to gather together. And we're thankful for the gift of your word. Lord, help us to, to fix our eyes on the truth of your word. To fix our faith firmly on the Lord Jesus. And help us today to worship you. This morning as we gather together in spirit and in truth. We ask that as your presence is here with us, that the words that we sing, the things that we do, we give honor to you. And Lord, we ask you to meet here with us this morning. Lord, help us to not walk away without being um, transformed. And Lord, give us a heart that is willing to listen, a heart that's willing to, to change, and a heart that is ready to obey. Lord, we, we thank you that when we read the stories and accounts in the newspaper that there's, um, there's a God who hears and a God who's in control. 
And so, Lord, for those that, that serve around the world in, in missions, that serve in ministry, those that lead in churches, or in, in places where it's, it's safe and comfortable, like the United States, or places throughout the world where it's dangerous and even deadly to stand for the name of Jesus. We pray for your protection. We pray for boldness. We pray for courage. And we thank you that you continue to grow your church throughout the world. Or we pray for these missionaries that have been kidnapped in, in Haiti. Or we pray for their, their, their safety. We pray for their protection and for their release. But Lord, most of all, we ask that in this situation that there would be opportunity for the goodness of, the, of your presence to be made known. That the power of your spirit would be released. And Lord, that the gospel would be spread. And Lord, help us to be always reminded that in this world we will have trouble. And that if they persecuted our Savior, that they will surely persecute us. And in a world that hates the things of God and looks down upon your people, you still call us to be salt and you still call us to be light. Help us to do that in a way that honors you, that stands for truth, and that is committed to your love. Thank you, Lord, for giving generously to us, for meeting our needs, for taking care of us and watching over us. We thank you for roofs over our heads, clothes that we can wear and food to eat. We thank you for family. We thank you for friends and we thank you for our church. And now as we prepare to take our offering, we say thank you for what you've done for us. And we ask that you would take these offerings and these tithes that we offer to you and you would use them for the work of your kingdom here and around the world. That it would be an expression of our gratitude from a glad heart. And so Lord, as we give, help us to remember that you are the one who gave all in giving your Son, the Lord Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen.
almost felt like a commercial, but I don't. <laughs> but wait, there's more, right? No, there's not really this morning. But John chapter 15, we're going to look at the first question on that list. Am I rooted in God's word daily? Am I rooted in God's word daily? And hopefully by the end of this morning, we'll understand what that looks like and how that can apply to our lives. But let me just tell you a story. I don't remember the year, Deborah may remember, but several years ago, we bought a tree. I bought it as a gift for Deborah, and it required a very large hole to be dug in our backyard. And so there's photographic evidence of this gigantic hole that I'm standing almost, you know, um, more than knee deep in, that I took the tree out of this container, I put it in the hole, I put the dirt back around it, mounded it up all pretty, and we began to water that tree every day to keep that tree alive because we had a bad tree experience in the front yard when the tree had died, and so we were determined that this tree was going to live. So we watered the tree every day, and the roots grew, and the tree grew, and the tree is still growing today, and the roots are hopefully deeper and more into the soil, providing nourishment for the tree and keeping the tree stable. And I want to just compare that to the fact that growing in Jesus, growing in our faith, is a lot like growing a tree. In fact, there's a great picture on the front of your bulletin of a tree with roots below. Because we always need to remember that the beautiful foliage that is above is only supported by the roots that are underneath it. And when we grow like a tree, we have this wonderful transformation. We're transplanted, we're dug up from the kingdom of darkness, and we're replanted in God's kingdom, the kingdom of light. And in that perfect condition, we have full access to living water. And over time, our spiritual roots should be growing deeper and deeper into Jesus. And as we grow in our relationship with Jesus, we should be bearing fruit, and God can use us for service in His kingdom. And so the main idea of what we want to communicate today as we look at Am I Rooted is if you want to be a growing disciple of Jesus, you must spend time with Jesus. Now think about the big picture as we look at, you know, the vision that we talked about last week, that we look out across our community and we see God starting in our homes and working across our neighborhoods, across streets to have homes where Jesus is first spread all across our community, that there wouldn't be a street or a neighborhood, a place and around cross timber around Johnson County where there's not a family living for Jesus shining a light into their neighborhood. And we reminded ourselves that it has to start with our with us. It has to start with our relationship with Jesus. You see in the day we live in there are many people that want all the benefits of being a Christian. But they don't want any responsibility. They limp along day to day with a weak faith. Their commitment to church and to the Lord is shaky. 
a better offer comes up, golf game, fishing trip, shopping spree, they're more than happy to say, well, you know, you just can't be there all the time. And they live day to day, really not making any impact for the kingdom. But all the while, longing for the benefits that God provides. But if we want to make an impact, a difference in our community, in our own families, then we need more of Jesus in our lives and we need less of ourselves. And so today we're going to look at that first question, am I rooted in God's word daily? To help us see that we need to be closely connected to Jesus and we need to be committed to the truth of his word. If you have your Bibles open to John chapter 15, you'll recognize that this is a section of scripture where Jesus is speaking his last words to his disciples. He has much he wants to tell them. The time is short. He's headed toward the cross. And in chapter 15, verse 1, Jesus makes this powerful statement. Paints a picture of connection with himself. I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Lord, help us this morning in these minutes that we have as we look at the connection that you desire us to have with you and the commitment that you call us to have to your word. Help us to listen, help us to apply what we hear to our lives, and Lord, help us to put it into practice. How do we need your help? Help me as I speak and help the rest of us as we listen to hear your voice speaking through me. And I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. So in terms of the connection with Jesus, I want to talk about it in two different ways. First of all, Christ in you and then you in Christ. And we'll get to that into a second in a second. But then the commitment to God's word, that we need God's word in our lives. And then we need to be in God's word. So let's get started. The first item you have there is just a simple three-point outline. Is, is Christ in you, you in Christ? Or we're going to take it backwards and we're going to start about what it means to be in Christ. Christ. What does it mean when somebody says you are in Christ? Well, it's an identifying statement for someone who has a personal relationship with Jesus. If you're on social media, you have opportunity on Facebook to update your, your status update. You know, this is what I'm doing. You know, I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling happy. You know, you know whatever people want to put on there. Well, the status of your relationship, if you are a believer, is that you are in Christ. The New Testament uses that phrase, in Christ, or similar, in Him, or 
more than 160 times to identify the position that we have by faith. That's the result of the new life we have in Christ. And what does it describe? It describes the relationship we have with Jesus. That is real. It's not imaginary. It's not just some psychological crutch that we use. No, it's a real relationship and it's personal. That the God of all creation sent his son to earth so that we could have a relationship with him. And that relationship is perfect and unchanging. If you're in Christ, you're always in Christ. Now, I brought some things this morning. I haven't brought toys to church in a long time since I used to do children's messages all the time. But I have two things here. It's pretty simple. I have a ball and I have a bucket. And now I could say that this ball is in the bucket. However, that might not always be true. See, I can take the ball out. I can put the ball in. The ball could fall out. Or I could lose it. And so, it's not always true, even though it was true for a moment, that the ball was in the bucket. But when someone is in Christ, it's a permanent and personal union. If you're in Christ, you're always in Christ. And it's much deeper than a ball being inside a bucket. It's an organic connection to Jesus. That's why Jesus helps us to see that with the idea of a vine and branches. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches and we are connected to him. Walk outside when we're we're finished to one of the bushes or, you know, and, and pull a leaf off of the bush. Once you pull the leaf off the bush, it is disconnected from the bush. But when it's connected to the bush, it can receive food, nutrients. But once you break it off, it dries up and withers and dies. And if we are connected to, to Jesus, we have life in him and we should be producing fruit. But if we're not connected to Jesus, Jesus said, what? Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you're not connected to Jesus, you don't have life and you can't do anything. And in that connection, here's some of the beautiful things that happen. We have redemption. We are freed from the penalty and the power of, of sin. We are forgiven and then we are made new in Christ. We're transformed. The old has gone, the new has come. We gain a spiritual inheritance where every spiritual blessing is ours. You see, to be in Christ means that everything that is credited to Christ is credited to us. And we get the presence of his Holy Spirit in us, guiding us, leading us, and giving us assurance of salvation. A beautiful place to begin to see what we have in Christ. And there are many more things that I just mentioned. As you start reading through the book of Ephesians, starting with the first chapter, you'll begin to see how exciting it is to say, I am in Christ. 
But there's more to the picture. Not only are we in Christ, but Christ is in us. Scholars for years have tried to explain it in a, in a way that we can understand. There's so much about it that is still just a mystery that we could be united with Christ. It's only God's work that could make us in Christ and Christ in us. But just imagine this. Think about this for a second and let this get you excited. The one who is the image of the invisible God, the one who the Bible says all the fullness of God is pleased to dwell, dwells in you. It's much more than a friend. It's much more than a buddy or a master. That the power of the resurrection, the very presence of the risen Lord Jesus dwells in us and we are in Him. That Christ lives in people that are called His followers by the Holy Spirit. In John 14, before we get to the vine and the branches, Jesus promises that in that day you will know that I am in my Father and you in me and you in me and I in you. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was a disciple that day, I'd have been scratching my head thinking, okay, what in the world is he talking about? And you know that after Jesus rose to heaven and they're in the upper room praying and wondering, there's probably a lot of thinking, there's probably a lot of thoughts going like, what is this going to look like? And then you get to Acts chapter 2 and you find out what it looks like. You find out they have power, they have community, they have joy. They have a mission, they have a, a plan and a purpose like they've never known. That Jesus dwells in your hearts by faith. You can find that in Ephesians 3, 17. Think about this picture. In the Old Testament, God's Spirit resided in the temple. In that inner place of the temple that they call the Holy of Holies. But in the New Testament, the Bible teaches us that in Christ, we are God's temple. We're the place that the Holy Spirit dwells. And so if you're a follower of Jesus, no matter where you are, no matter where, what you're doing, no matter what time of day it is, you're never alone. He's always with you. And that's exactly what Jesus speaks to us about in John chapter 15, this close abiding relationship. That he wants to be with us and wants us to be with him. I think that's why Paul in Colossians just expresses his joy when he says, It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That the personal presence of Jesus finds a home in the heart of those that call him by faith. Now, I don't know if you've read anything by Major Ian Thomas. Um, he was a real major. He was part of one of the two men that helped start lamplighters in, um, in England. But has written much on what it means to live the abundant life. And I love the way he describes what it means to be united with Christ. He says it's nothing less than the life Jesus lived then, lives now, 
by him in you. So it's nothing less than the life Jesus lived in. So it's real Jesus, all of Jesus, living now by his spirit in you. That Christ is in you and you are alive in Christ. Can you begin to see how important it is to be connected to Jesus? When you get to Colossians, Paul is writing in chapter 2, verses 6 and 7. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, read in that accepted him, became a Christian, so walk in him, live your life in a way that pleases him, and then be rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught abounding in thanksgiving takes it a bit farther than walking an aisle and praying a prayer or being baptized. No, being called a Christian, walking along with Jesus is to live a life that is pleasing to him, to grow in your faith, to be rooted and built up in him. You see, anyone that you would call a growing believer, a growing Christian, is closely connected to, to Jesus. They're rooted in him. They have access to all of the blessings that are made available. Intimate relationship with Jesus. Access to the Father in the name of Jesus. His power working in us and through us. Changing the things that don't need to be more and more over time and to work what they ought to be. Enabling us to do things that we can't do like love and show mercy and be humble. We get to share in his victory that the complete and total victory he won at the cross is ours. And so we can say with great confidence that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Don't those things make you want to get to know him more haven't you just met someone and, and maybe after five or ten minutes you realize, okay, this person is kind of cool. They've got some traits that maybe you want in their life, you want in your own life, or maybe they have some information or they have knowledge that you want, or maybe you just enjoy hanging out with them. And what do you need to say? You know, we really need to get together sometime. I'd like to spend some time with you. When you open up this book and you start to read about who Jesus is, it screams in such a loud volume. I want to spend time with you, speaking from the Lord's perspective, and we should want to spend more time with Him, that we could grow in our love for Him. We could learn more about Him, and we could learn from Him. See, John chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the Word made flesh, came down and lived among men, died to save all Men, anyone who would receive him and gave the right to become children of God. He died on a cross. He rose from the grave to victory. Now he's seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly. And he sent his spirit to dwell in your heart if you call on him by faith. But he took it a step further. He gave us his written word. Prophets. Disciples, kings, God gave instruction to write down a record 
It's his word. That's the story of redemption. It's the true source of all wisdom. It's the sword of the Spirit. It points to the glory and the wonder of Jesus. And if you want to spend time with Jesus, if you want to grow in your faith, you better have your Bible. I was talking to Deborah, my wife, and she just told me that she had reminded the students, you know, that you wouldn't show up for math class without a math book. You wouldn't show up to history class without a history book. So why in the world would you come to Sunday school or come to church without a Bible? Church, Sunday school, Bible study, this is essential material. We need God's Word. You, you need a Bible. Now, if you need any tips on what's a good Bible, how do I find a Bible, I need to find a Bible I can read, I'll be glad to help you. If you need a Bible, let me know. I've got several in my office. I'm kind of a Bible junkie, so I've probably got several that I could, I could part with to make room so I can buy more. Um, not really, but I probably have some, and I probably have a translation that I can. So if you need a Bible, please see me. But the second part, not only to be connected to Christ, we need to be committed to His Word, and that's you in God's Word, and God's Word in you. So let's look at that. What does it mean for God's Word to be in you? That passion, we, passion that scripture we read in Colossians, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Now, what is that word of Christ? That's the revealed truth about God that is essential for salvation and is required for daily living. And the great challenge of our day is to make room for God's truth and to live in a way that it remains in our heart, that we would hold it there like we would hold on to a treasure. And the reason we do that is because God's word is essential to our daily life. When I say that, I mean we need it every day. There's not a day that goes by that you don't need God's Word, and over time we need it more and more. We never get satisfied. We never get enough of God's Word. There's still more for us, and it is very powerful. The writer of Hebrews says the Word of God is living and active. It's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit and joint and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Someone said the Bible is not just a book that we read, but it's also a book that reads us. It points out our, our needs, our challenges, and the things that God wants to work in and change. And there's great benefit from having God's Word in your life. The psalm writer in Psalm 19, in verse 105, a little later than what I read earlier, says, Your Word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So it is not only the revelation of God, but it is also a practical, powerful tool that we can use each and every day. If you read John 6.63, you can find that it's life-giving. It gives us life. The word of life speaks life into us. It also feeds our faith. If you, if you read in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus, where he's taken out in the wilderness for temptation, he quotes 
The Old Testament says man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Just like our body requires food to survive, in the same way we need God's word to sustain our faith, and our faith won't grow unless we do. The psalm writer in Psalm 19 again says, Lord, strengthen me according to your word. It strengthens us in our weakness. It cleanses us. Ephesians 5, 26 and 27, where it talks about the husband and wife relationship and the washing of water with the word. And when we read this book, it shows us who God is and who we are and longs for us to line ourselves up with the truth of it. It builds up and encourages. You see that in Acts 20, 32. So God's word in you. What does it look like to be in God's word? It means to read it. We shouldn't just have a pretty Bible that sits on a shelf. We should find a Bible that we can read and, and read it. Recent survey in 2021, um, Warner Research has been doing research for years just about the state of faith, the state of churches. And they said of the people survey, half of people in the United States, so this is Christian and non-Christian, not just church going, believe that the Bible is a key to a meaningful life. And about half, about that same number also believe that without the Bible that we would be in more trouble than we are in now. So about 50% of Americans would agree that the Bible is important and meaningful. But only one of every six read their Bible most days of the week. So you can look on your road. If there's six there, you can try to figure out who's the one that um, is reading their Bible. I'm just kidding. One out of every six. That's a good way to think about it. If there were six people sitting on your road, on average, only one, one out of every six read their Bible most days of the week. So read your Bible, but we need to do much more than read our Bible. One person said, you know, reading your Bible only is like chewing, but never swallowing. So we not only need to read it, we need to study it. That we need to do our best to understand what the Bible says. Because it helps us to know what's true and what is not true. Now, in the day we live in, there are plenty of resources to help us along the way. You can find them on the internet. You can find printed books. You can find translations that are easier to read and easier to understand. But I encourage you that we need to be digging into the truth of God's Word. To be like those Berean Christians in Acts 17 that received the Word with all eagerness. They were excited to hear about it. But then they examined the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. And, and I don't, it doesn't matter if it's me standing up here or somebody that is dressed fancy on television that has a, a booming voice or is very charismatic. We need to be careful to examine the scriptures to see if these things were so. We need to chew on these things for ourselves, to dig into the treasure that God has given us, and then apply that truth to our own lives. So read it, study it, memorize it. We read this verse earlier, Psalm 119, 11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. 
Now, if you memorize that verse as the younger child as I did, you would probably say it this way, I've hidden thy word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. You see, you can memorize Bible verses if you work at it. The older you get, it becomes more of a challenge, but we can still do it. If you think about it, many of the verses that we learned younger in, in our younger days, we can still remember today. Maybe not exactly word for word, but the general principle. And God can use those in times when we don't have our Bible handy and available. But we can also sing God's word. It's in Colossians 3.16 where we read, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. But then he says to teach, admonish one another in all wisdom. And this is singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with all thankfulness in your hearts toward God. God created us in our brains to be able to remember things that we sing. And so singing can help us remember principles and truths about God's Word. But I do encourage you to be careful what you sing. We should always be singing to, listening to songs that exalt Jesus and songs that speak truth. If you're one of those people that want to memorize God's Word and like to sing, I just encourage you to check out Seeds Family Worship. They basically take songs straight out of the Bible, they set up the music, and you would be amazed how through a catchy rhythm you can memorize Scripture very quickly. But we need to go beyond that. We need to share it. We need to be telling the truth of God's Word to other people. And I can tell you from personal experience, when someone shares a Bible verse with me, it can be greatly encouraging. God uses that to to speak to us, whether it's a text message, a a note, written note, if you still do that, or just in person sharing with someone. God's Word is, is meant to be shared, and in fact, Isaiah tells us in speaking that the Lord says His Word won't return empty. It'll do what it intends. And so sometimes when you get a text message and someone's struggling, one of the most powerful things you can do other than pray for them is if the Lord puts a verse of Scripture on your mind, just share a verse of Scripture. And then let the Lord use it because it won't return to you. But then we have to obey it. Listen to what James says. James 1.22 in the New Living Translation. Don't just listen to God's Word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. So listening, studying, memorizing, sharing, all those things would do no good if we never obeyed it and put it into practice. So how can we grow in our relationship with Jesus? Well, the best way and the easiest way comes down to really just a simple formula. And it's the third one in your outline. It's you, Jesus, and your Bible. There are phenomenal Bible teachers. There are smart men and smart women that God has given the gift of communication. You can watch their videos. You can read their books. You can subscribe to their podcast. You can check out their blog. And those things are helpful and beneficial. But nothing in this world 
will grow your personal faith like spending daily time with Jesus. And the focus is building that relationship between you and Jesus. So let's think about that in terms of a relationship. If you are wanting to build a relationship, then you would want to be intentional about spending time with that person. You'd want to make it a so I would just propose, make a day with, with Jesus. And by that I mean just choose a time and choose a place. So you've got that set. You've chosen your time and chosen your place. Let's just say it's in your favorite chair by the lamp in the morning. A cup of coffee, hot tea, maybe some breakfast. So you've got that down. And then remembering that you're developing a relationship, it's always good to call on the name of Jesus. To invite him. You know, Jesus, I'm here to meet with you. To get your heart in the right place. Jesus is ready and waiting, so we don't have to get his attention. But then with your Bible, take time to read God's Word. Pray God's Word. And while you're doing that, listen for God's voice. As he brings things to your mind and don't line up with his word. Take time to confess and repent. Receive the forgiveness. Talk to Jesus. Pray. If you want to use that phrase. And then enjoy the experience. Your motivation is, I get to spend time with my Savior. I get to be with Jesus because I am his and he is mine and a daily connection with Jesus is the most important thing that you can do in your life as a Jesus follower it's the only way we can bear fruit because remember Jesus says apart from me you can do nothing because we can still be connected to Jesus but be distanced, distanced by our own selfishness and our own sin God can be saying, this is what I want you to do, and we can be saying, no, that's not what I want to do. And we can be in disobedience and miss out on what God has for us. But if you want to be a growing disciple of Jesus, you have to spend time with Jesus. Back to the tree, the hole. When I planted that, when we planted that tree in the yard, we had to make a decision, a choice. We wanted it to live, then we had to water it and take care of it. If not, it would soon die. And each one of us has a similar choice in our life today. Do we seriously want to grow in our faith? Or are we just happy where we are? Do we want to grow in Jesus and be a part of his mission? And if we do, it takes a daily commitment. But I will tell you this, that when you spend time with Jesus every day, it will change your life. You begin to grow in your faith. You begin to see things in God's Word as He reveals it. You fall over time more and more in love with Jesus, and you begin to want to do what He calls you to do because you love Him. So as we close this morning on this first question, 
Am I rooted in God's Word daily? I want to give you a challenge for the week. And it's simply this. Spend time with Jesus every day. Most people agree that it takes about 21 days to make a habit. And then it takes 90 days to another 70 days to make that a permanent part of your life. So what I'm asking is if you are not already doing this, to commit to spend time with Jesus every day. What does it look like? Like I said earlier, it's you and Jesus in your Bible. And I want to ask you to commit to every day for the next seven days. If you're already doing this, it should be easy. Um, but seven days is a bite-sized chunk of 21 days. So I encourage you to start with seven days. To start small. If you're not accustomed to do this, you know, don't sit down and think I've got to spend you know 45 minutes um, in the morning or in the afternoon. No, start small, maybe 10 minutes a day, and then build from there. And at the end of those seven days, I challenge you to see if you can notice any difference in your attitude and your actions in your relationship with Jesus. If you happen to mess up one day and miss a day, don't give up. Don't say, well, I blew it. only did six days. No, just catch the next day and keep going. And at the end of those seven days, I just ask you to do this. Commit to doing another seven days. So seven days, so you get to the 24th. Commit to another seven days. That gets you to the 21st, or 31st. And then another seven days after that. Then you're already 21 days in. And you started to form a habit. And then as you continue that on through 90 days, it can become a regular pattern in your life. I see a growing disciple of Jesus spends time with Jesus. And the truth is, he's waiting. And the challenge is, are we ready? Will you pray with me? Jesus, when we think about the truth of your your word, we are so thankful that you choose to share it with us. We're thankful that you call us to yourself because you love us and that you want to, over time, form us to be more like you. You love us, you accept us, you have a plan and a purpose for us. You have great things in store for us. That you desire to use us to make a difference with our friends, with our families, with our neighbors, people in our community. You want to show us treasures in your word, great and mighty things that we don't know, that you want to remind us of things that we should never forget. And in the busyness of the world that we live in, how we desperately need time to prepare.
prepare us for life in the world. And so God, help us. Help me. Help those seated here and those listening. To step up and to do what we need to do in spending time with you. That we would be people that could say that we are rooted in God's word daily, waiting expectantly to see what you will do, trusting in your truth, in your goodness, and your love. Oh Lord, we ask you to help us in this, that we would be free from guilt, free from doubt, we would put our confidence and our trust in you. We know you're willing to meet with us. Help us to desire to meet with you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. We're here together to not only hear God's word and to sing praises, but also to offer ourselves back to him to respond to the truths that he has revealed to us. And as we sing together, that is our, our time of response. And I think so many times we, we think, well, the only thing that can happen during an invitation is, well, if somebody needs to get saved, they can come down. If they want to get baptized, if they want to join the church, or if their life is so messed up that they want somebody to pray for them. You know, you think about in those terms. But really, you know, this time is a time for God to speak to us, to listen to his voice and then to respond back. And that can take place quietly where you're seated. It can take place kneeling at the front if the Lord leads you to do that. It may, you may need someone to pray with you about something. You may need to share something with someone and say, hey, will you pray with me? Just encourage you to find a brother or sister next to you. I'll be at the front. Um, or, you know, Deborah can be available as well. If you need someone, a lady needs someone to pray with you. But just encourage you to listen to God's voice as he speaks, as we sing and respond, and not to walk away without making a commitment or a decision that the Lord would have you to make. Just ask you to join in standing. We're going to sing together. While we sing, just respond to the Lord.
bless you for your presence here this morning. You're an encouragement to those around you just by being here. And and the Lord use you to be a light for his kingdom and an encouragement to others as we we go from this place. We're going to sing a song here in just a moment. When we begin to sing, you're free to go. So the Lord bless you. You're dismissed.